Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly Crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shield Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple of Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Join the fun and follow the Ringers Philly special now on Spotify. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I mean, how do you... The Sox, you the, know. Yeah, the, the, I mean, man. Duh. I, Duh. I, the Duh. White Sox had the... I, I was just... Uh, I was talking to Guff, Ryan McGuffey, and I was like, they had a window. Bears are down. Bulls are mid. Cubs are down. Now the Cubs are supposed to be big players this offseason. They open up the book, and that was it. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's Got Mike the Clevenger, White Sox over. Got Mike Clevenger. And maybe you'll get a Gene Segura or, you know, a Brandon Drury to play second base or something like that. I mean, the Cubs, you know, hell, they're, they're looking at, at Wilson Contreras, you know, jumping ship and going to the other side of that rivalry maybe with the St. Louis Cardinals as we're sitting here. Uh, taping at what quarter to ten on a, on a Tuesday night, like who knows what's gonna happen there? So Jed Hoyer is like, hey, we ain't gonna go stupid, but we we gonna be aggressive. And then you you turn to the south side and it's crickets, right? You got Mike Clevenger coming off of, you know another TJ, so that's a Chicago White Sox special. Where it's like, aha, mm, give me a all formerly, that. A formerly mm. hurt dude who isn't going to cost you much, who might be a lot, for, you know, in terms of bang for your buck. Like Mike Clevenger might come out here and be terrific, right, and take Johnny Cueto's spot. But the loss of Jose Abreu, what you're still doing at second base, these winter meetings and, and 
you know, you'll hear from Travis Rogers later on in this pod, but these winter meetings and some of the things that are being bandied about when it comes to Tim Anderson and Andrew Vaughn and some of these big names on this team, Eloy Jimenez, I don't know what to expect as a White Sox fan. All I do know is that Jacob deGrom is now a Texas Ranger. Trey Turner is now a Philadelphia Philly. You know, Josh Bell is now in your division, a switch hitting first baseman for the Cleveland Guardians. And, and he, could, he could play DH for you. Like, teams are making moves around the Chicago White Sox, and Chicago White Sox fans have every right to be pissed, <laughs> like to, to, to wonder what the hell is going on. And uh, if con- continuity. That's what's, that's what's happening. Hey, man, there's two franchises in this city who are touting continuity. One season is already off to a, uh, a less-than-expected start. And the other one's coming off the most disappointing season I can remember baseball-wise in this city in a very, very long time. So if you think continuity is going to do it, then you can continuity your ass right into another 82, 83, 84 win season. Good luck. Because Tito Francona and Stephen Kwan and all them dudes running around with the Cleveland Guardians G on their ha- hat who sat there and party in your clubhouse, party in your dugout, at your crib, talking about fire Tony LaRusso chants and all this other shit. Like, hey, hey, hope PDG is the answer. <laughs> because if if my main man Pedro ain't, ain't there to whip people in shape or develop better strike zone discipline or show them how to pick up the ball, I, I read that there will be uh, quantity, I'm sorry, quality uh, exercise and quality practice and quality development during spring training instead of quantity development, right? They're not just going to do reps to be doing reps. You're going you're gonna to understand the kind of baseball that needs to be played. I'll believe it when I see it, right? And I hope that's the case. But you still have to have the requisite amount of talent. And for whatever reason, you had too many people in that damn lineup last year that just didn't hit the baseball. So so if I'm counting on Yasmani Grandal bouncing back and counting on Yoan Moncada bouncing back and counting on Eloy Jimenez giving me at least 125 games if he's still wearing a White Sox uniform, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of counting ons. Uh, what what are you? What do I know about you? Right now, I know that I can count on the bullpen, but hey, Liam Hendricks might be out of here, right? So the, <laughs> Yeah, and bullpens are shaky, right? Year to year, bullpens change. Year to year, that's why, you know, it's the most volatile part of a baseball team. You got yourself a good bullpen one year. Next year, you got yourself a mid-baseball team because because of how you used them, how they were deployed. And Tony Russo was no stranger at deploying bullpen arms, as we saw over the last couple of years. So, I, I, you know, the, the angst and all the other shit that went along with last year's White Sox season is carried over into this offseason. It's carried over into these meetings. You know, Sox fans, I remember when, and, and I hate to be this guy, and remember when is the worst form of conversation for all the folks listening out there, but I remember when the Sox used to be in on some of these big names, even though you knew, it was like, all right, they ain't going to get A-Rod, right? <laughs> like, eh, they ain't going to get Mookie Betts, you know? Like, yeah, they ain't going to get this guy. Going into an offseason where you're in on no big names and you didn't win shit, that's... <laughs> That's tough to swallow. And maybe they knew it. Uh, not maybe. They knew what they were doing by canceling Sox Fest this year. They knew exactly what they were doing. Because don't nobody show up and, and bitch and moan like Sox fans do. And they got a reason to. They have a reason to this year. You're losing Jose Abreu, which some people think is a plus. But at the same time, what you doing about it? 
And I know that they're supposed to be active in the trade market, and that's that that'll be their free agency period in terms of acquiring new talent. But if Jerry Reinsdorf and the powers that be don't believe in this team enough to kick open the the, the coffers a little bit more, right? They were the seventh highest ranked payroll last year. And it got you that what, 82 wins, whatever the hell they, they ended up with last year. It did it wasn't good enough. So maybe you gotta spend some more. And I know that's hard to spend other people's money and everybody's got a budget, right? Like, the, you know, we, we, we act as if salary caps aren't real in baseball. Every one of these teams has a budget, an outline budget that you shouldn't go over because of the cost of doing business. Do you want to be in the red? Do you want to be in the black? If you're going to be in the red, are you guaranteed something? You're never guaranteed anything in baseball, but you give yourselves as many tries as possible. For me, and what it looks like, they're trying to do this I'm not going to say on the cheap, but they're trying to do this within the confines of their fiscal responsibility to this imaginary cap that they have or this budget that they have. And I understand, but please understand that the ire and the the um, the bad will that comes along with it is going. You should you should be able to predict it. Like Sox fans, when you told them last year, "Hey, shut your mouths! This is the team that we're rolling with, and we'll show you." And they said, "Okay, maybe maybe the architects of the squad that that." refurbished this this vibe and and gave us this new energy maybe we should just shut the fuck up and listen to them but now that we fast forward um i don't know if you can say two years in a row hey shut up and just trust us and i think that's what the Sox are doing right now they're telling Sox fans to just shut up and trust us and i don't know if that trust is still there now if the biggest acquisition this offseason is the manager and that changes your fortune so much so that they're running away with the AL Central. You know, come next year, at the end of the year, they're 10 games, 11 games up, then fine. But I don't expect it to be that because the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins looked you dead in your eye this year and and step for step was with you. And, and one of them passed you. And let's keep it really funky. The Kansas City Royals beat you this year. So if I'm looking at simply the division that the Sox are playing in and the, what it was supposed to be last year and how how much of a laugher it was supposed to be last year. We were talking about this, and I, because I won't put it on anybody else, I was talking about this team as a World Series contender for a damn reason. And everybody around that thing, Luis Robert being the dark horse MVP candidate and all the stuff that was getting ready to bubble up, and it didn't come to fruition. So, yeah, Sox fans are looking at it now like, wait a minute, hold on now. <laughs> wait, you supposed to just tell me that this is coming back and I'm supposed to feel differently about it? No, 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 no. So shout out to Mike Clevenger. I think he will be a fine pickup, a back of the rotation guy who has middle of the rotation stuff probably because he's gone through two Tommy John surgeries and Lord knows the Sox love to get guys who can, you know, who, who will bounce back from those arm injuries. They, they've had success with it in the, in the past, but doing it, Doing it with a half measure has never felt good. Never felt good. And I feel like this situation right now is a half measure. You know, trading what you've got on this team already to try to bolster this roster or shake it up some when, you know, the, the money seemingly should be there and there isn't like four or five positions you have to fill. There's a couple of positions that are of key importance to this team. And there's a couple of names out there. You know, the fact that the, the, the Dansby Swansons of the world and the Trey Turners of the world and those kinds of dudes aren't uh, associated with the franchise that I root for at all in any way, shape, fashion, or form. 
whether you're kicking guys over to second base or you're telling Tim, hey, we might need you to play second, whatever the case may be. Go out there and try to win the World Series. Like, win the offseason, too. Win, win, win each one of these incremental points and dates in the calendar that, that Sox fans are looking at. Win each one of them since the season was, wasn't a win, since the season was a wash, since the season was as disappointing as any season we've seen. Win now. <laughs> win the press conference with, with PDG, and then win the offseason, win spring training, and then go into the season with Sox fans feeling like there's something to watch this summer. Right now, uh, Sox fans are sitting on their hands the same way, seemingly, Sox ownership and management is. Joining us next here on the Full Goal Podcast, Travis Rogers of Travis Sliwa fame, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the left coast, ESPN, 7.10 a.m. out there in L.A. He'll give us the lowdown on the Cody Bellinger signing, and we'll go around the world in L.A. sports with Travis Rogers coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Cubs talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the Cubs have won the ball game. Can you believe it? Wow. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the voice that you are getting ready to hear and probably have already heard before is Travis Rogers. You can catch him 10A to 1P out there on the left coast, 710 ESPN in LA. Travis and Sliwa is the show you should be listening to. We, we've, I'm sure we've got uh, friends in common or people in common. My man Dan Zampillo was out there for a little while. And of course, Clinton Yates is the homie. So uh, thank you for jumping on with us. We need your LA Dodgers information because the Cubs went out and signed Cody Bellinger to a one-year, $17.5 million, kind of prove-it kind of vibe, right? Like center fielder, first baseman, and you look at those numbers from, was it 16 to 17, you're like, wait a minute, this is a dude. Rookie of the year, then he gets the MVP, jack after jack after jack, and then the last year or so, last couple of years, that stick hasn't been what it used to be, and he's still a young man. So break it down to me and to the Cubs fans what they're getting in this young man. Yeah, I think that you're getting somebody that desperately needed a change of scenery for sure. I, I think that's the best thing. I think this is the best thing for him because, like you mentioned, Jay, th this is a guy that was one of the best players in baseball really from the moment he showed up in the big leagues. He was fantastic. He showed up and tore it up through his rookie season, came back in his second year and was really good and then had the MVP year in 2019. He showed up and was just an absolute monster in that MVP year. And he's hit fewer home runs since then than he did in that season. He has, of all the qualified players over the last two-plus seasons, 
He has one of the lowest OPSs in the entire league. This is somebody that struggles to hit 200. It's a guy that has struggled to find his stroke, too. Like, I, I, I will watch just about every Dodger game that there is to see every single season, and it feels like he comes to the ballpark with a new approach every single night. I, I think wow. he needs a new guy in his ear. I think he needs a new place. Um, I think that's him from the offensive standpoint. From the defensive standpoint, for my money, I think he's the best center fielder in baseball. I think he's absolutely extraordinary. He can go get it. He's fearless. He throws pretty well. He runs pretty well. And, and he's going to save just some runs with that glove. If you can get any sort of production from him offensively, I think he got a really, really good player. And I think he's got a much better chance doing it somewhere that isn't Dodger Stadium. How did it affect him in the post-game chats that he had to have these struggles over the last year or so because in Chicago here, you know, I, I think sometimes it's overstated how tough the Chicago media is, but they will remind you and it will be constant. And we all know 162-game season is a long walk no matter what you're doing, whether you're high or low. How, how do you think he will, um, he will fare in terms of the questions that will come if these struggles continue? Yeah, I think he'll do all right in that regard. You know, he comes from a big league family. His dad played in the major leagues for a while. So th this is all he knows. He knows major league baseball. He knows what it means to be, you know, down. He knows what it means to be up. Um, you know, I, I'll give him a lot of credit because he went through a couple of really crappy seasons along the way and didn't sulk and didn't hang his head. He, he continued to fight through it. Um, I would imagine his confidence was shaking pretty good going from an MVP guy to a guy that was fighting like hell to get to 200 um, that hit a buck 60 a couple of years ago. But he seemed popular with his teammates. He seemed to be pretty good with the media. He's a pretty chill guy. You know, it's always kind of a, a thing here where people kind of tease him. He always looked like he was about 22% high at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I love the number, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to being 22%. You can get your job yeah, done with that. Nothing crazy, <laughs> but not zero. <laughs> you know, it was slowly hitting the car before you go into the office. I can dig it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think he's got the right sensibilities for it. I, I you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I hope he does well. I was a fan yeah. of his, um, you know, I just think it's time for him to move on. All right, so what's happening with the West of Dodger Nation right now? Trey Turner is now a Philadelphia Philly. He signed for 27,000 years and $5 billion with the Phillies. And, and, and coming off the Freddie Freeman offseason, you know, you got Aaron Judge out there kicking the tires apparently with the Giants. Like, what, what are Dodgers fans feeling right now about this offseason and where, where's left to go? Yeah, the Dodger offseason's been kind of peculiar because I think that they were, you know, optimistic that Trey Turner would come back, but also realistic in the sense that he probably wouldn't. I think if that was going to get done, it would have got done before the end of the season. Um, I didn't really expect him to get in on some of those big-name free agent pitchers, whether it was DeGrom or, or Verlander or one of those guys. The Dodgers really kind of don't do deals like that with the older players. And we'll see what happens from here. I still think that they're going to be active in that shortstop market, whether it's with Dansby Swanson or Bogarts or a trade for something. I heard Tim Anderson's name pop up a little bit. I think he'd be a great fit for the Dodgers. I think he'd be really, really good. But it's a weird deal, Jay, because Dodger fans here are not interested in hot stove. They're not interested in the regular season. This has been 10 years in a row of being one of the best teams in baseball, and they have one World Series and a half a season show for it. And whatever happens between now and the end of September is almost irrelevant. They're going to be good enough to get into the playoffs. Barring something really weird happening, they're going to be good enough to get into the playoffs. And it's what happens once October starts that Dodger fans care about because every year, seemingly minus 2020, something weird has happened to prevent them from winning the World Series.
All right, me and you are, are chatting right now. Nobody else is listening except for the Bulls who uh, get a little little chapped around the ass anytime I talk about them. Uh, but we can broker this deal right now because, uh, you know, Dollar Bill Simmons threw it out there and then Zach Lowe commented on it about internal conversations with the Lakers brass. The entire Lakers thing right now. I mean, tonight, watching this Cleveland game, you had AD go to the back with flu-like symptoms, then come back out there. Donovan Mitchell scores 43 on him. It, it, what the hell is going on in Los Angeles right now, basketball-wise? And, and is there thought that somebody or some trade can pull them up out of this or are Lakers fans resigned to this being the fate until they move on into a new generation of Lakers basketball? Yeah, there are two camps of Laker fans right now. There, there are the camp that insists that you have to try to make it work with LeBron and Anthony Davis and that you need to move heaven and earth to try to put players around those guys. And maybe you move Anthony Davis to try to give LeBron what he needs in the last season or two of, of him being a, a meaningful player. Um, I would classify those as the Laker fans that are reactionary slash delusional slash out of their mind slash crazy slash whatever else you want to throw in. 22% high. <laughs> yeah, 22% high group. Maybe more. Right, 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 right. Um, and then there's the people that are in the other thing that probably realize that LeBron being the guy that can be the best player on a championship team is probably not true anymore. That Anthony Davis, as good as he's been for the last, you know, nearly a month, I'm going to need to say one month doesn't erase the last two years. Right. Um, and that probably keeping your powder dry for whatever's coming next is a better bet than chasing something that is a one in a hundred shot. I think that unfortunately they're not very good. They're, they're better than I think they looked at the beginning of the season, but trying to move from eighth to sixth at the cost of more draft picks at the cost of being in sixth or eighth or worse than that for the foreseeable future seems like a really bad idea to more, um, Less or maybe less high Laker fans, maybe zero percent high Laker fans. Maybe that's the best way to put it. So if if we're talking about twenty two percent and now thirty one percent with those two teams, I don't even know what you have to be right now to watch Rams offensive football. I like like I don't know if there's a like I don't not I don't a believer want, in Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Baker's a believer right now. Sean Mc, Sean McVay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of you know a lot of questions nationally about what's next for them. Matthew Stafford. He's been injured you know the last two or three years at Detroit. Now all of a sudden you're, you're creeping up to that point where he's 14, 15 year dude, and these injuries are becoming more commonplace. What stage are they in right now? Especially with Aaron Donald kicking. The tires on a retirement last year. Like, what's happening right now with this Ram franchise? And is this thing gonna is this thing gonna get rebooted here in the next year or so? It's really un- uncanny how similar the the where the Rams are to where the Lakers are. The the, the Rams are the Lakers a year ago. They're they're a, they're the Lakers won a championship in the bubble, and everything that needed to go right for them to do that did and you know they got that time down because of the pandemic they went in they handled the the bubble better than anybody else and they won the nba championship and then from that point forward really nothing has worked particularly well well the same thing happened with the rams the rams moved heaven and earth they go and they get stafford they trade more draft picks they go and they acquire odell beckham jr they acquire von miller they do all of these things that are you know i don't want to say long shots because those guys are good players but they're big swings and everything that needed to break their way did and they won the Super Bowl, and here we are a year later, 
and they're three and nine. And I think if they play well the rest of the way, they're a five win team. I think that if they play the way they have, they're a three win team. They might finish the season on an 11 game, uh, losing streak. They have the same decision that we just talked about with the Lakers that the Rams do. What, what do you do? Do you say, okay, look, we got Cup, we got Donald, we got Stafford, we got Ramsey, we got Bobby Wagner. They have these really big star players. But do I have enough to fill out the rest of the roster to actually make a run with this? Or do I need to take some of those star players and maybe start thinking about what I can get for them to make another run at it later? The, the, the overlap between those two teams is really remarkable because they're virtually in the same place. It's just that the Rams are about two years behind them. Travis, I appreciate you, man, and giving us the lowdown, not only on the Cody Bellinger situation, but what's going on with the Lakers and the Rams. You know, eyes are usually on that city because of all the uh, conjecture that comes out of it. And you got the stars and sometimes they're not getting star quality production right now. So it's uh, it's always it's always interesting to watch, always interesting to hear. We'll be continue to listen to you and, and Sliwa on 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. 7.10 a.m. ESPN out there. We appreciate you, Travis. Thank you so much for jumping on with me, brother. Anytime. Travis Rogers right here on the Day Podcast. Coming up next on the Full Go Podcast, we tap in with our college football guy. He is Pete Futek. You can follow him on Twitter at Pete Futek from collegefootballnews.com. He's on the BetQL pod. He does a whole bunch of things here in the city, especially here locally on the airwaves at 670 score. So Pete Futek is going to break down not only the Deion Sanders situation for us, but also the CFP, the transfer portal, Heisman Watch, all those things and more coming up next. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer. And you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Hey, Pete Futek, what are you, what's up with you, my man? I am, uh, I'm fine. I'm hey. end of season, sleep deprived, and, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to just you know, some time off a little bit, but uh, not happening yet. Not for, not for a few weeks. No, nah, you got a little bit of time. You got a little bit of time. Yeah, I'm glad. to deal with. Look, a few things, a few things. And Tony and Jesse, don't you guys worry. You know, I know you guys are on mute right now. They like to they like to hide their faces once once I get to start talking to the guests. Don't worry, fellas. I'm not about to get Pew Futek's dissertation on selling out 
uh, on the Deion Sanders story because he would be one of the few white men who hasn't approached this subject, apparently, on the Twitter timeline and everywhere else. Boy, I have been getting a tutorial, ladies and gentlemen, by by older white men, much like Pete Futek, on what selling out is and what selling out isn't. I'm not, no, no, I'm not about to let you do it. Full 100% <laughs> disclosure, I'm a man of a certain age. 1988 Pete Futek thought Deion Sanders was the greatest guy, greatest athlete, greatest everything ever. Damn right. In the closet over there, I think I still have the 21. I have all these different cards. I got the poster. I was like Bart Simpson with Krusty. I bought like every like Krusty <laughs> brand. Every de- I even bought Must Be the Money. I mean, that's how big I was. Well, that's, that's, I mean, I, that's how, so there will be no DM. I have a kid who's going to be looking at college. Not because of Boulder's a beautiful campus. Colorado's a pretty mm-hmm. good school. Mm-hmm. Swag and color is awesome. And they got Dion. I want her to go there for that but <laughs> look at look at look at Dion getting getting people to commit and in the transfer portal that don't even play football i'm right out actually wisconsin <laughs> uh grad i want him to go there but was, let me ask so what's the so what's the kerfuffle what's the what, what are people yelling at you about who's selling out no well nobody's yelling at me i'm just watching it eating popcorn because i talked about it on the last pod and my thoughts and, and not being an hbcu uh, uh alumni or alumnus uh I can't speak on it with the uh, level of experience and the the understanding of that culture, right? Like I, as a kid, I had a bunch of kids around me who were going to HBCUs, and and I look back on um, my whittling down of schools that I wanted to go to, and I, I think about it now, and I regret the decision that I made. Uh, not including some HBCUs and, and visiting some of those campuses because uh, of that being like the last time you are celebrated amongst a group of your peers that look like you going through the same things that you are going through uh, and, and around that kind of love. So the the promises that he made that a lot of people think he left unfulfilled, um, that's to be determined, you know, as we go further on here. And Deion Sanders' legacy has always been about, you know, he's been the master showman. He's been a master self-promoter his entire career. So you've got a section of folks, and and I don't think anyone is truly wrong in this situation, but I understand where the criticism comes in, no doubt about it. Like, yeah, like far, far be it from me, for, you know, to be able to chime in and say, oh, hey, feel this way. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's some people out here who are doing that, Pete. Absolutely. No, but as the outsider, like, uh, you know, just college guy, cynical perspective, it, it was just the thought that, yeah, he's he was at uh, Jackson State because Florida State didn't hire him. I mean, basically that was it. And when he was getting the five-star guys to come to Jackson State, they weren't going to necessarily Jackson State. They were just like, hey, you're going to come here. And then when I go there, wherever there is, that's where we're going. So they committed. To that's what I thought the plan was too. <laughs> a little more than Jackson State. Now, with all that said, give give him credit for a bunch of things. One, he did promise a lot of things that he's delivering on, which included upgraded facilities, higher yeah. profiles for the place. Uh, the other part of the, how about just being a great coach? One of the big yeah. knocks on him. Oh well, he's just doing this as a side gig, and he's Dion. He's not gonna. You know, have the he's not going to have the bandwidth. He's got too much. He's Dion. He's got too, too many other cool things going on to do. Right. That guy put in the work. He he was, and it's not just like oh, it's Dion. He's a he he coached him up. He came up with some great teams mm-hmm. there at Jackson State. So, um, and then the other part of this thing too that hasn't we haven't seen yet, but I have a gut feeling is going to come from this is give him credit for possibly being a trailblazer. It's showing that 
here's a guy who you know had some experience in the um the the circuit the the uh, camp circuit and coaching on a, on different little levels, but certainly not as a, at that level of head coaching. But maybe just maybe there's going to be other coaches out there that said, you know what, I want to follow that path, and then they go the HBCU route and say, you know what, th- this can be a place that really fits me and uh, where I want to be and do some stuff with it. So, uh, I mean, again, far be it for me to, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying anybody's wrong here by any yeah. means, uh, but, but to know how this kind of worked. And the other part of this is like, look, you could do that at Jackson state succeed. And then look where you can go from there to go from there to Colorado. where now right now. He's the biggest thing in college sports. So, the thing that a lot of people are pointing out and the thing that I always uh, kept at the forefront was, you know, how much of this is about those kids and that community and how much of it is about Dion. And Dion sold that it was about the kids, it was about the community. Why would you go to a PWI or a Power 5 school when you can come be in the midst of your, you know, your people who look like you, people who think like you, people who you are related to, why go there if you can come to the HBCUs and having that juxtaposed to the decision that he's made now, obviously the resources and all those, like, I think the the main thing that I've, I hope is brought from this is how much those communities and those universities need the funding from their famous alumni, from the people who want to jump back in and say, you know what, I want to make sure that these kids are comfortable down there in, in certain instances where, you know, the, the facilities across the HBCUs can be upgraded, right? Like, well, how, about, still- how about all of it? I mean, to, to what you're saying, how about, how about, yes, it's all true. It's all, it is about yeah. the kids. He, I think he, give, again, I'll give him credit. He legitimately wants to, he, he sees himself as someone who can make the lives better of of these these young men who come in and play for him do this at the same time he's Dion he wants to win he's a head football coach he wants it and he knows more than anybody else that how do you win you win with the best players possible now it goes with all coaches all these coaches love these kids they love you more if you run a four or three and you know or have the four or five stars after you mm-hmm. and so but the guys he is going to get he will absolutely have that for so all can be true as, at once but you can't do all the other side things like Dion talks about without winning. It's one thing to say, hey, I want to do all these stuff and be on education and facilities and stuff and be like three and eight. You know, that doesn't fly when you're 12 and 0 or when you've got this high flying offense and when you get game day to come to uh, Jackson State, when you get all the parts of that coming in, when you get all the, the things that Dion can bring, that's great, but you got to win to get there. Yeah. And, and there's also this. This notion that he has brought eyes to the HBCU circuit that nobody else has. But I will say this. I mean, as a kid, I remember that last Saturday of college football also being Eddie Robinson being at the forefront. Like I knew black college football through BET and also that last Saturday when NBC would have the uh, the classic on where Grambling would be be participating and and Doug Williams then got the coaching job like that this is like it's there if you truly want to do it right it's just the people haven't wanted to do it because a person and a, and a personality and a charismatic figure like Deion Sanders wasn't around but they've always been there and the guys the, and the guys and girls who have been a part of these athletic departments and and the coaches especially especially when Deion came in there was a bunch of coaches like hey he ain't swack 
and you will see at some point. So now those coaches are getting paid off at some, right here. Like, coaches have been down there for 10, 15 years doing it in the mud, and nobody's been paying attention to it. Now, all of a sudden, a, you know, a meteorite like Deion Sanders comes along, a comet like Deion Sanders comes along and brings all that exposure, all that attention with him. I'm not begrudging him taking a job that's going to put his family and himself in a different position. The Celebration Bowl of last year, if you remember, yeah. here came, it was like, oh, it's all Dion. Look at this offense. It's high flying. Gonna, South Carolina State came in there. All of a sudden, South Carolina State, Noel Oliver came in and just said, yeah, we got something for you. Yeah, here. <laughs> and uh, little, little, little things changed there. So it brings, but it brings a spotlight about, but it's still about football. It's still about all that. And look, at the very least, he, he got the, he got the ball rolling, hopefully. I remember when he, again, my age, when his, his thing went, he was a college player. His whole thing was Lester Hayes wasn't getting paid. That was his guy, the defensive back, the guy. I mean, he's like, look, all these quarterbacks are getting paid. These cornerbacks get paid nothing. And I'm going to change that. I'm going to make this a glamour position. And what did he do? He self-marketed himself. At the same time, remember who he is. For all the prime and for all the flash and all the things, he's still the guy who loves to go fishing. You know, he's still the, you know, this idea that, oh, he needed to go to some you know, some high, you know, some city or some high profile thing. I know Georgia Tech would have been a, a nice gig for him or any of those places, but Denver's a pretty big market. But he's, he, the guy works and it gets kind of lost that for all the flash and all the things, every teammate he's ever had said he's the hardest working guy they see. He's, you know, he puts in the time, the effort. This is not just him being as more talented than anybody else or him being just a, you know, just a whole bunch of show. He, he does the job. But, and let's see what happens with Colorado. Let's see if it works here at the Buffs. How hard is that rebuild going to be? And what is the Pac-12 getting ready to look like now that USC and UCLA are jumping out of it? Like, how open is it? We know what Utah is. We know what Oregon is until they move to another conference. Like, what what's the landscape over these next three years or so for the Buffaloes? Let me put it this way in the context of another conversation I had. We we're talking about the Coach of the Year honors. And uh, someone, the guy I was talking to was like, well, you know, Kirby's smart. He can't be Coach of the Year. He had all that talent there. I'm like, this isn't the NFL. How, get, he gets credit for having all that talent there. The college coach, he's not, you know, it's not the NFL GM. It's not like you're a coach and you're walking in and you just happen to get, you know, Dak Prescott and all these other guys on your Dallas Cowboys who can play. This is, he created this team. So in Coach of the Year honors, he gets it, he, he deserves it because he lost all that talent, but he also got all that talent there. Same thing for Dion, same thing for Colorado. The battle is can you get the players there? What did Lincoln Riley just do? Four and eight USC. He just he got an all-star team full of transfers to come in. Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. All those other guys came in. And USC came within uh, Caleb Williams pulled hamstring of going to the college football playoff. Not saying Colorado could do that right away, but if you can go from being awful to all of a sudden, he legitimately has every four and five star guy in the transfer at least saying, hey, you know what? I'd kind of like to visit Boulder, Colorado. He, he, can, he can get his pick of these tr guys in the transfer portal and make this thing big in a hurry. All right, let's jump into the transfer portal. I happen to jump on CFN, collegefootballnews.com, the site that you uh, have uh, beautifully made as popular and as, as widely known as it is. Uh, tell me some of the names that I should be looking out for, some of the schools that might be losing some A1 talent and where they may be landing. Yeah, the first and foremost, you got to remember that out of the, I think it's up to a thousand now or something crazy, crazy. in the transfer. <laughs> but just remember that free agency in college football. Yay. <laughs> just remember that just because you're in the transfer portal doesn't mean you're leaving. I, right. At least 70% 70, 70 of these guys either aren't going to get an offer or they're going to come back or they're going to do something. But it's just kind of like, hey, you know, if you get a chance to 
throw your name in the ring right now. If like you're in, in a job and say, you know what, I'm going to put my name in this ring and see who likes me. Sure, of course you can go and see how that is. Now, to your, to your question, on the very top level here, it's the big-name quarterbacks. Justin Flo out of um, Oregon, mm-hmm. linebacker, big-time recruit there, hurt, never quite got it all going. Uh, that's going to be, I think, the one of the big non-quarterback names in this. There's a guy who could start for Alabama. He's probably going to be at USC or Miami. Uh, but there's a guy who's just got the next-level potential. But it, who are the immediate guys? Like, USC might have gotten all these other talents. It wouldn't have been USC this year without Caleb Williams. That was the guy that changed everything. DJ Uyunglele. Everyone's going to say the same thing. Oh, man, he's dunk at Clemson. He, you know, he's just mediocre. All this. Everyone said the same thing about Bo Nix at Auburn. What did he right. do? He got to the right system, right situation at Oregon. And all of a sudden, Bo Nix might have been right there in the mix for the top. You know, I mean, not Heisman, but he was at least in the mix there. Michael Penix Jr., when he was at Indiana, all right, he's all right, but he's always hurt. What does he do? He goes to Washington, leads the nation in, you know, by a mile in passing. So Uyunglele has got all the tools. That is the guy. When he went to Clemson, they're like, okay, Trevor Lawrence is really awesome, but if you want to put together a quarterback who can do that, that, and looks like that, that was him. So the sky's the limit for him. On a different sort of low, a smaller baller of a passer who's deadly accurate, Devin Leary out of NC State, where put up massive numbers two years ago, kind of flew under the radar in an ACC that was just loaded with talent. Uh, then was hurt this year, didn't quite get it all going. He's in the transfer portal. I kind of think he would be perfect for Wisconsin. It kind of would take the Russell Wilson route when he went to NC State and then flipped over to the Badgers. You put him on in that offense for Luke Fickle, mm-hmm. he is the exact right fit for a place like that. Uh, and then you know some of the lesser-known quarterbacks out there, Austin Reed of Western Kentucky, who went out there and you know, remember Bailey Zappi who did some things for the Patriots. Well, he was the guy who was winging it all over the yard in that offense last year and put up record-setting numbers. Well, this is Austin Reed who did that uh, this year for Western Kentucky. He's going to be one of those under-the-radar quarterbacks. And then you get the funky stories like a JT Daniels, who because of injury, because of COVID year, because he started at USC when he was 17, he's going to have like a seventh and eighth year of eligibility when he transfers out of West Virginia this time around. So it's, it's pretty insane stuff at the moment. Speaking of seventh and eighth years of eligibility, I saw the, uh, I saw the, the meme or the graphic of Lamar Jackson holding his Heisman trophy and then Stetson Bennett having his Georgia Bulldogs helmet on and, and them being the same age. And Lamar is now, Lamar's not battling for that second contract. <laughs> it's the, it's, I swear. It's been like 10 years, and every for 10 years ago, there was like, yeah, this guy's, you know, young, Lamar Jackson's younger than all these guys who are still in high school. Like, and he's, Lamar's, Lamar's winning his MVP. Lamar Jackson's like going to eternally be 21 years old and still ripping it up in the NFL. He's just, he's just never going to age. So, Stetson Bennett, man, uh, this, this before we get to this Georgia team and the semifinals games and the, the bowl period that's getting ready to start here, I believe on the 15th, the 16th. The Heisman Trophy ceremony this year, is it a little understated? Is it like, you know, tap me into what this race has been and how it's come about? Because I, I know the names, right? And I've seen all of them play. But it feels like, and I don't know if this is the old guy in me, but I remember what the Heisman Trophy presentation and that night and the lead up to it and all those things used to be. Am I, am I a little bit off in thinking that, like, this is one of the more understated ones? Well, because here's the problem. Caleb Williams hurt his hamstring, and they didn't win the Pac-12 title. He's going to win this thing. Max Tebow, 
uh, Max, you know, Max Duggan basically wears 15 <laughs> and runs over people. He's going to become he's second, if not win it. Uh, but he lost the Big 12 championship. Right. C.J. Stroud didn't even get there. Got trucked in his last game. Not his fault. Didn't play defense for Ohio State against Michigan. And old Stetson Bennett, look, I'm not saying I have a Heisman vote. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to argue necessarily for him. But mm-hmm. there's a case to be made. And for all the, like, the problem is he doesn't have the stats. He's not, like, he, like I, the problem with all those, those four guys, here's why it's underwhelming. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. All three of them are going to be drafted before all four of those uh, Heisman guys. And we're not even talking about Penix Jr., who, who threw for more yards than everyone else by a mile uh, mm-hmm. this year compared to, every, you know, like something crazy like 34 yards per game more than the number two guy. So there's all these great quarterbacks out there. But for Bennett, to the point, like, I get it. The numbers aren't there. Except if you kind of watch, if you watch each and every game, he was flawless in those first eight minutes against Oregon. If you forget, he he was great. He was making plays. He was reading everything. Sharp, sharp, sharp. Nailed it all. Bailed him out of the fire against Missouri. He outplayed Hendon Hooker in the Tennessee game. And he his stats in the big games were relatively flawless. The overall stats weren't great because they already had the games won by the third quarter. And I know the stats, like he only threw like nine passes in the fourth quarter or something crazy like that. Well, that's because he was pretty tight in the first three. So again, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the country. I'm not saying he's even the top five even, but there's, you're not crazy to say the Heisman, if it's about who is the guy for the signature team in the country, Look, this team lost everybody to the NFL. He was the veteran, you know, the 44-year-old veteran who stuck around and, you know, was able to kind of handle it. So I, 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 I do hear the argument for that side. All right, before we get to CFP talk, I want to keep it here locally for a minute. The Fighting Belamas, how sustainable is this thing going forward in Champaign? He's back to doing what he wasn't able to do at Arkansas, and it's the Wisconsin style where – they're never going to get the, the, you know, Johnny five stars like Ohio State will. They're, they're just, that Ohio, Ohio State really is getting every five star recruit this year. I mean, it's, it's insane. They're not getting the transfer portal guys because they're getting the real superstar talents who are going to come into Columbus. You can't compete with that. You can't compete with the Michigans for that kind of talent. But what you can do is get five big, nasty dudes on the offensive front. A running back, you know, look, Chase, he, he said Chase Brown's as good as any back he ever coached, if not better. And he coached Melvin Gordon and Monte right. Ball and all those guys up in Wisconsin. Get a guy like that who fits the bill, fit a, get a, a quarterback who just, caretaker's not, is not fair necessarily, but they didn't throw the ball more than five yards down the field ever. And it just kind of worked. And create a nasty defense, win special teams, win the time of possession battle, don't commit penalties. It seems so simple, but that's what worked at Wisconsin. It sure as heck worked for him in Illinois this year. CFP, we've got some of the normal participants, and then we got the TCU team thrown in there, who I've watched a few games this year. You mentioned Georgia and losing all that talent to the NFL, and Kirby Smart's got a little mini dynasty he's building here. Ohio State, that defense, you know, there's, there's something left to be desired. I would have loved to see USC kind of finish this thing off so we could see some new blood in this thing. But well, how do you see... New Year's Eve breaking down, uh, especially with one of the new participants there to, to kind of upset the apple cart. Can we start with the fact that, you know, I'm a married man, so it doesn't really matter all that much, but how much it sucks that this thing's on New Year's Eve. <laughs> it, it, it just, it's, it, it's, you know, not, not, not that we're going out and, you know, going crazy anyway, right, but right, it's right. just like, I don't want to like spend New Year's Eve doing it. Exactly. I got to like try 
I don't really want to necessarily do this, but uh, no. So it's it's the Eddie Murphy joke, and I, I'll butcher it, so forgive me, where it's like you have uh, Kirk, Spock, Bones, and, you know, Rear Admiral Johnson, Yeoman Johnson. <laughs> They're going down to a planet. Guess which one's not coming back? Well, you got, <laughs> you got Ohio State, you got Georgia, you got Michigan, and you got TCU. Guess which one out of this isn't uh, going to do much in this thing? So. So the, the, the crazy stat about the college football playoff is in the eight years they've done this, the undercard game, the first game of the day, we had the historically awesome Rose Bowl where Georgia and Oklahoma went at it. Baker Mayfield, uh, uh, they forgot that they had a Heisman winning guy and they forgot to let him throw in that overtime loss. Sony Michelle got the win. Other than that, the other seven undercard games have all been 17 points or more. They've been awful. They've been just historically bad bowl games. And that's what we get with Michigan TCU. So I will be stunned if Michigan doesn't roll on to LA in this. Ohio State, look, you know, we have, there's three and a half teams out there that have the same talent level. There's Georgia, there's Alabama, there's Ohio State, and there's the USC offense. You know, that's, that's it. I, there, nobody else can match these teams when it comes to the talent level, and Ohio State's one of them. Now, Jackson Smith and Jigma decided he's going to, you know, go get ready for the pros early, which smart, go save your investment. But everyone else is coming back. This team that was really hurt for Michigan gets a month and a half off. And I kind of think, okay, you, you let them in. You know, you, you let them into this dance and see what they can do. We have yet to have a repeat college football playoff national champion. I'm looking at 2019 Alabama, 2014 Ohio State. You got me in at the four seed. You gave us a chance. No pressure. It's all on the other side. I think Ohio State could absolutely win this and then beat Michigan and screw up uh, – all the fun those Wolverine good people had over the last uh, several weeks. All right, before we let you go, favorite matchup that isn't the CFP semifinals? Uh, the Cure Bowl, let's, let's go deep cuts early on because I haven't really gone for, deep for that. The problem with this bowl season to start with is between the, you know, like always said, the transfer portal, the opt-outs, the coaching changes. Right. It's right. We're basically talking about the NFL preseason here. I, the, my sport sucks and they play their exhibition <laughs> season at the end. Um, but So you're going to see just you know, shells of themselves, teams out there. They're just going to like, you know, play, you know, a couple of guys that they dragged out of the psych class just to get right. them out there. I'm looking forward to LSU-Purdue, though. Gosh, you get, they, we need that after the LSU. That LSU's, you know, with exhibit number one last year because they didn't have anybody for that Kansas State game. And mm -hmm. it was just after about two quarters, like, why? what are we doing here? Or why, why are we playing this? Uh, with that said, real deep cuts, like I said, Cure Bowl, Troy versus UTSA. Okay. And two champ, two conference champions. Uh, UTSA has a great offense. Frank Harris is another one of those quarterbacks that's been around since the 1980s, and just you know, the, he knows the guy knows how to play. Great offense. Trey with one of the best defenses around. Look, they won the Sun Belt. Remember, it's, it seems like a million years ago, but remember the start of the season when Appalachian State was, uh, you, know, you know, cranking it up when Marshall was beating Notre Dame and. You know, you had all the Southern Miss beat Tulane. And so the Sun Belt was a thing for a while there. Well, Troy turned out to win this conference. Um, and so that's that should be one of the more competitive games, mainly because, one, they're two really good teams. Secondly, it's like the second bowl game of the season. And third, that's about as close as we're going to get to, like, regular season caliber selves. You're not going to see a lot of opt-outs or uh, NFL guys or lost coaches in that. All right. Bears fans are listening for a reason here. Uh Top five talents you think in this year's draft? We don't know who's going to declare, but we have a good, uh, a good 
leaning towards who's going to be out of there. You know, we're hearing a lot of Will Anderson stuff. We don't obviously need uh, a quarterback here in Chicago. So I I don't want to get yelled at here, but you don't want to get into the philosophical argument of uh, maybe these quarterbacks are actually better than Justin. (laughs) There it is. You're starting shit. Look. When Justin Fields stops throwing bad interceptions at the end of the game, I will then start to buy in. No, he's awesome. I mean, how, how do you know? I got you. I got you. Obviously, you build around Justin Fields. That Bryce Young guy is pretty good. That's, that's, you've got, you've got, this, is, this is an epic quarterback plan. So, like, either you okay. move down, because look at what you got. Between, you know, Will Levis might be the number one overall pick, and everyone's kind of soured on him a little bit, but the scouts are liking him because, look, this guy's taking a beating behind the trash offensive line in Kentucky, and he keeps on playing all right. Bryce Young, that that guy's the smartest guy in the room. I mean, that guy, he's he's like he's like born, Jason Bourne. Like you put you look straight ahead, he sees that, 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 that. I mean, he sees the field as good as any college quarterback in a long time. Anthony Richardson, if you can figure out if someone can figure out how to harness all he is, he's Josh Allen. I mean, he's mm. I mean, Josh Allen, remember, was only like a 55% up. Yeah. So I say that, so I joke that, of course, you're not going to replace Justin Fields because he's a franchise-caliber quarterback, but you're, there's going to be a couple guys in this class that are going to be special, very, very special. But with that said, Will Anderson, if you want the pass rusher on the outside, Jalen Carter, if you want the guy on the inside. And to me, it's Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter. I am a foundation guy. I like the – give me the, the, the rare human being who is, you know, the 300-pound, 6'5 guy who can run like a tight end and Jalen Carter mm-hmm. that he is, you stick him on the inside. He's there for 10 years and you just, you you build out from there. Uh, Will Anderson certainly cannot complain with a pass rusher of his caliber, but if you're the bears and you're drafted as high as they are, you go that route or you trade down a little bit and say, okay, we got it. We're, we're not going to mess with these other quarterbacks. Someone's going to trade up to our spot to get a Bryce young or to get one of these guys. We're going to move down a little bit and say we're going to help out our franchise quarterback by giving him someone to hand off to and go B. John Robinson. Oh. And now you've got a backfield of those two guys and that running game. Look out. I would have liked, I, I got into this argument uh, with my guy Gabe Ramirez on our show that we do about like, well, you got, you're not crazy. You know, look, it worked with, uh, you know, you, you have your franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. You got him, Jamar Chase. You know, Justin Jefferson went, what, 18th. He slid a little bit, but. You're not crazy now in today's day and age with going wide receivers. I was hoping for the Bears that Keishon Boutte would be available and be that next in line LSU can't miss sure thing number one superstar, but he's staying in school. So with that happening, you're probably you're a little wary on Jackson Smith and the Jigba because he hasn't played for a year, but he's going to be up that high. Uh, but again, defensive line for B. John Robinson. If you're the Bears and you want to get the fan base going, there you go. There it is. Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Bet QL. He's a 670 to score contributor. You hear him all over the airwaves here in the city of Chicago. I am Chicago's college football at this point. Let me just say, I am Chicago's college football guy. I'm just going to put the billboard up on the on the Edens and just puts that up there. I'm making the declaration. I don't care what there it is. There it is. Talk your shit, my man. Always good to see you, brother. Thank you so much for jumping on with me. I appreciate you. The full goal with Jason Golf. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 182 of the Full Go Podcast. We'd like to thank our guests, Pete Futek from collegefootballnews.com and Travis Rogers from ESPN 710 AM out there in L.A. We appreciate them. And we'd like to thank our production staff, as always, 
the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. As always, don't forget you can hit us up on the Full Gold voicemail line, 773-359-3103 is the number, 773-359-3103. We will talk to you on Thursday. Got a special bear surprise from the past, and we'll jump into some more hot stove baseball stuff with our guy Russ Dorsey. But until then, thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for rating and reviewing it. Thank you for sharing it with your family and friends. Whatever you do for this pod, we truly, truly appreciate you doing so. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe.